What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Route Runners Podcast. I'm Shrieker. I'm Jared. And I'm James. This is episode five, and we'll be recapping week five of the NFL's most recent games. So let's kick it off with the Rams-Seahawks game on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I'm going to take away most from this game is what's going to happen over the next couple weeks with Seattle now that their superstar quarterback is going to be out for a couple weeks. Everyone's in love with these young quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, and I love them all too. But people are going to realize how good Russell Wilson is because of how bad Seattle's going to look over the next couple weeks. And, I mean, Geno came in and he didn't even look that terrible. 10 for for 17, 131 in the touchdown against a pretty good defense in the Rams. But I think that once he starts to get settled in with the rest of this pretty mediocre Seattle team, I think that um, people are going to realize how valuable Russell Wilson actually is and how good of a quarterback he actually is for uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, As for the game itself, it was kind of a slower game, not really too exciting, uh, a lot more run heavy than I would have imagined and not as many points put up on the board as I thought that there would be. But uh, it was still a really, you know, competitive game, defensive game between these two teams. Jalen Ramsey played outstanding, even though um, DK Metcalf got his first touchdown on him. And uh, yeah, Seattle's now going to be without their superstar quarterback. They're probably going to be without their running back for this game and maybe for next week too. And Seattle is a pretty, a pretty tough schedule coming up. So it's going to be really, really tough for me to see Seattle as a playoff team moving forward with the amount of games I think that they're going to drop over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think seeing Geno Smith in for Russell Wilson, um, the one question that pops into my head is who's Geno Smith's favorite receiver going to be? Because we all know Russell Wilson was is always targeting DK Metcalf. Will Geno Smith also do that, or will he look more towards Tyler Lockett? It's a, I, I think it's a big question personally. Also with Russell Wilson, I didn't think uh, a finger injury could be have him out for six to eight weeks. I just – I mean, it makes sense because obviously you need your fingers to throw the ball. But, yeah, just like Jared was saying, this Seahawks team is going to look a lot different. And I would not be surprised if they fall to last in the NFC West once Russell Wilson comes back. Although the 49ers aren't looking uh, that great themselves. It's just Russell Wilson is a key piece to that team. And although Geno Smith did look good, it's just they're not going to perform as well. And with the Rams – Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup connection it has to be like elite the whole year for them to produce very well. Although that uh, this game was a Robert Woods game and it showed that Robert Woods can still produce even second fiddle to Cooper Cup. So no matter who Matt Stafford throws to, they're going to produce. And obviously the Rams defense is as good as always. So uh, the Rams def- Rams are going to be a powerhouse team no matter what. And again, the Seahawks are going to be in desperate need of Russell Wilson once they realize Geno Smith is just not going to – it's not going to cut it for like four, five, maybe even eight weeks. Yeah, I think hopefully with Chris Carson's injury, they weren't able to have him in this run game. And obviously – and it looked like Alex Collins was actually outperforming him again in that San Francisco game. But this team, hopefully with Russell Wilson being out, hopefully the wide receivers step up. Or maybe the defense steps up so that it, it helps out, you know, Smith in the end, and he doesn't have to carry that whole offense. So That, de- that defense ain't stepping up. Jamal Adams is horrible. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I I know that. I, one of the I'm that's hoping. that's got to be one of the biggest, one of the or one of the worst trades of all time for the Seahawks. That was that's yeah. terrible. Well, our next game, I, I'm pretty stoked to talk about this next game. We went, we traveled to London here for Jets Falcons. Personally, I want to say I was. We have a we have two Jets fans in our apartment, and one of let's just say one of our Jets friends was pretty angry, while James over here wasn't as angry per se. <laughs> well, first of all, I just want to start off with Kyle Pitts, baby. I just want to say congratulations to Kyle Pitts for his first NFL touchdown. You know, as a big Kyle Pitts fan, I, it was so I'm so glad to see him actually break out in his first NFL football game where. He had over 100-plus yards, and he had his first NFL touchdown. It was great to see how how well the communication and chemistry has grown between him and Matt Ryan and how Matt Ryan finally trusts him. to He can throw the deep ball to Kyle Pitts and Richie Grant, you know. So I'm just really proud of this Falcons team, you know. Com- coming into this week, we were 1-3, and, and a lot – a lot of the predictors had the Jets upsetting us because they were coming off a big statement win against the Titans. So I'm just really proud of this team and rise up, baby. Yeah, I mean, yeah, James will talk about the Jets a lot, but I just wanted to give a shout-out to Cordero Patterson. He's probably been the biggest surprise of the season so far. This guy's just producing in every game that the Falcons play, and he didn't even score a touchdown, and he's still putting up a lot of really good stats. Seven catches for 60 yards. I mean, this guy entered the league as a receiver, and now he's playing running back. And, I mean, you can pretty much play him anywhere on the offense. He could probably block a tight end, too, because he's a big guy. So, I, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Cordell Patterson. And, obviously, Kyle Pitts. That was really nice to see. Guy that was the fourth overall pick, which Shrieker already alluded to that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll give the rest of this one to James because this was you two, your two teams going at it. But I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Cordell Patterson. The Jets had John Franklin Myers guard Kyle Pitts in the end zone. John Franklin Myers is a D-end, and they're putting him in coverage against one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. So I don't know what they were thinking there. I don't know if that was just a miscue or whatever, but I'm going to look past that because I just don't want to think about that. I mean, I still don't think they're the worst team in the NFL. I think Zach Wilson is finally settling in into that uh, QB role and finally figuring out what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. He's still not there, obviously, and I don't think he'll be there for the whole season. But I think that this team is looking a little better than when they first started because they're not getting shut up by the Broncos anymore. And they actually uh, got Denzel Mims two catches, which is nice to see because I was talking about Denzel Mims before and I wanted him to get involved. So, I don't know, it's just nice to see the Jets uh, listening. I I know they're not listening to me, but, like, my suggestions are actually – I'm seeing them in the game, so it's kind of nice to see that happening. But – one thing, obviously, to take away from this is don't put D lineman on Kyle Pitts or any tight end or any any pass catcher because what's going to happen is the exact same thing that happened with Kyle Pitts on John Franklin Myers, an instant touchdown. God damn it. Yeah, it was interesting to see how the Jets would react with both Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage, our wide receiver one and wide receiver two being out. And – Kyle Pitts really being utilized as the wide receiver one and tight end one. But you also saw players like Tajay Sharp step up. So it was great to see how that offense functioned without Calvin Ridley. So our next game is Patriots-Texans. So this was my 
lock of the week. And I'm not really happy about how this game ended up being it so close. James? Uh, I'd like to give a huge shout-out to Davis Mills because what a performance against the Bill Belichick-led Patriots. I think that's probably the best rookie QB performance ever thrown against Bill, uh, Bill Belichick's Patriots. Uh, Davis Mills, he had over 300 yards, three touchdowns, and zero picks, which is unlike Davis Mills because weeks prior he threw four picks in one game. So it was nice to see Davis Mills actually step into a role and almost beat the what, what would he be, like the first rookie QB to beat Bill Belichick? That almost happened. I it guess. almost came to life. I think so, yeah. It, it, it almost came to life. But obviously Bill Belichick is not going to let that happen. Uh, the Texans, I think, I think are still bad. I mean, that's not going to change. And some guy named Chris Moore had over 100 receiving yards, so it didn't know existed until this game. So that's how, that's how you know. Show that he was NFL ready. He really did against the Bucks because, he, you know, he kept it close. But against the Texans, I mean, it shouldn't have been a close game. I think Patriots should have won it by at least a touchdown. But, I mean, no one was expecting Davis Mills to just have a breakout game there and just honestly just go off against a top uh, – uh, like maybe like a top 15 defense, maybe top 10. I don't know how to rank the Patriots defense. After this, I'd probably put him at top like 15 because I don't think a top defense is letting Davis Mills pass for three touchdowns and over 300 yards, me personally. Yeah, this is kind of a weird game. Mac Jones, I don't really know what to think about him yet. I think kind of the same with Davis Mills, too. Um, the Texans kind of should have won this game. Kaimi Fairbairn missed a field goal and missed two extra points for Houston, which obviously would have changed a lot. Uh, I know Nick Folk also missed an extra point. There was a lot of missed kicks this weekend, which we'll obviously talk about later. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think that this game really showed me a whole lot, and I don't, I don't really know how to feel about Mac Jones yet. I think that he's good. I think that he can be the starter for this team over the next couple of years, and you don't have to worry. But I mean, we we still don't know. We got to, I got to see a lot more out of Mac Jones. So the next game on our list is the Lions Vikings. So another heartbreak for Dan Campbell. I'm really feeling for the guy. I really. I'm really rooting for him, and I'm really hoping he gets a win uh, some some week because right now that that team is just so – it looks like the best 0-5 team to be playing out there. Jared Goff has really turned this team from looking like a really piss-poor team to a team that can really fight every Sunday. So I'm, I really hope one week they'll win. But Jared's team got the win with the game-winner field goal. Jared, how are you feeling? Uh, not too happy, uh, if I'm being honest. I mean, I'll take a win. Victory Monday is always a good time. But uh, to make it that close against the Lions is not good for comfort. A lot of people – or a lot of people in Vikings uh, – a lot of Vikings fans have it out for Mike Zimmer right now and are really pissed about the way that he called that game. Um, if I ever – like you were talking about with Dan Campbell, if I ever wanted to lose to the Lions – it would have been now because I really like Dan Campbell. That guy makes his players play with heart, which I really respect. I think that he's a really good coach there. I think everyone around there really likes him, which I like to see. And I'm glad that the Lions actually found a good coach, or at least a guy that I think is a good coach. Um, Adam Thielen was only targeted in this game three times. And I know that he's battling through injury, but if Adam Thielen is on the field, you must target him more than four times. Um, I think there were really some questionable play calling by Mike Zimmer. 
teams have been putting up boatloads of points on the Lions. I mean, the Bears put up 24 last week, starting in this first ever game, and they and the Vikings couldn't even do that. A team that has superior weapons. Alexander Madison is an excellent backup running back. You have Jefferson, who I think is around, a, and Adam Thielen, who are both close to top 10, definitely top 15 wide receivers in the NFL. Um, Anthony Barr was back on the defense. Eric Hendricks was back. This team is at full strength, and they should be winning games uh, at home against the Lions very comfortably, and they're not, and they did not do that. Um, so I'm not particularly happy. I'm very happy that Greg Joseph actually won a game uh, for us when uh, against the Cardinals in week two. He kind of shanked it and blew it. So this one was from further, this field goal, which doesn't really make any sense that he made it and not the Arizona one. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, at least we got a win under under our belts, which if we fall to one and four with our schedule coming up, that would have been pretty much the end of the season. So now there's still at least a little bit of hope. Um, but, yeah, I'm not particularly very happy with the way that this one went down. I think that the Vikings should have probably won this game by three touchdowns, and they ended up winning by a game-winning field goal. Yeah, go back to what you said about Adam Thielen. I feel like Zimmer is only utilizing him as a red zone threat because that's what it seemed like this game. Even though he only got targeted three times, like we said, but like I feel like he's only using him for the red zone, which again is not great. Because yeah, I, I he... mean, like, like not even in this game. Like he was targeted three times, and his only two catches came on that final drive by Kirk Cousins. Like I, I don't understand why he just was never given the ball. There's no, I, way, I, I there's no way the Lions are locking them up that much. They can't do that to anyone. Yeah, they don't have a cornerback one that's able to catch up to Adam Thielen or just, like, right. able to hold him the entire game except on the last drive. But uh, um, I'm happy that my favorite player, Justin Jefferson, broke 100 yards, obviously. I mean, that's something to take away from this game. Uh, he's so good. I love him. But, yeah, the, the Lions kept it close, which Jared was saying the Vikings were fully healthy, so it shouldn't have been this close. But the Lions are known to keep every game close, no matter who they're playing. So it's it was I mean it's nice to see like a close game, but it was pretty low scoring, and there was not a lot of great offense to like talk about, except for obviously Alexander Madison, Justin Jefferson, a lot of good Vikings offense. And then one defensive thing I'd like to note is that Eric Kendrick's pick, which I'm sure Jared was very happy about. That was pretty sexy. But yeah, I mean. I'm glad the Lions keep games close. If they go 0-16, they'll be the best 0-16. Actually, 0-17. They'll be the best 0-17. They'll be the first 0-17 team, but they'll be the best because they always keep games close, and people know that they should have won some games. So, I mean, if if the Lions do go 0-17, I don't think Dan – it's not Dan Campbell's fault. I don't think he should be fired if he ever does. But, again, it's just it, – it worries me that the Vikings only won by two points with a fully healthy team and that they're not giving Adam Thielen the targets he deserves. Again, I'm happy Justin Jefferson is getting the bulk of targets, but it, it's concerning that Thielen's only getting three. Yeah, it's I, I think with Quintus Cephas being injured with a broken collarbone, I really want to see if Amon Ra can s- step up and be that wide receiver one moving forward for the Lions. It, it, I mean, that obviously that's not saying much, but the, how the Lions' offense functions. But it would be interesting considering he's a rookie. And I think what was he? When was he drafted? Like the fifth round, sixth round, like that. Fourth. Fourth round. Yeah. So, so our next game is Eagles Panthers, and I think that this was a game that shouldn't have been close. I think the Panthers should have been up and up big throughout the whole game, but the Eagles, 
defense somehow contained Sam Darnold. And I think he might have been seeing ghosts again because he threw for three picks this game and only 177 yards. It looked like Chuba Hubbard had a big game with 101 yards, but it really didn't look like Sam Darnold. It looked like the Jets' Sam Darnold came back because he was not throwing well today or Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe the Jets weren't the problem for Sam Darnold, but that may be stretching it because, I mean, Sam Darnold did not look great this game. But I don't know. It, it probably is the Jets still. I'm not blaming Sam Darnold. Um, I don't know. This game, it definitely surprised me. Jalen Hurts had an awful first half, but then he definitely brought it back to rally the Eagles. Um, it, large in part to, obviously, Devontae Smith, who that P.I. in the in the end zone, that cost him a touchdown, which uh, it upset me because I like Devontae Smith. But, yeah, this game all around, it was, it was a disappointing game. I thought it was going to be a lot more scoring, mainly because the Panthers' offense has a lot of good weapons on there. Like, the Panthers – can show that they don't need Chris McCaffrey to score a lot of points. But from this game, I feel like they do. Like, Sam Darnold didn't have a safety net to throw to. He usually would just dump it off to Chris McCaffrey if he had to, and obviously he doesn't have that. So if the Panthers put up, like, 35 next week and Chris McCaffrey is up 12 receptions, then it's confirmed that Sam Darnold just needs Chris McCaffrey at that point. Even though DJ Moore has had some good breakout games, I feel like Sam Darnold needs that uh, that Chris McCaffrey – he needs Christian McCaffrey in there just to rely on him. Because Chuba Hubbard, obviously, is not the player McCaffrey is. So I don't think Sam Darnold trusts him as much. But um, we'll see. And then, yeah, like I was saying, Jalen Hurts had a, a – I mean, he only had he only finished with 198 yards and no touchdowns. Or, and I think he had a rushing touchdown. No, th- no passing touchdowns. He's two rushing touchdowns. Yeah. But, like, only 198 yards. I don't know. It's not – looking great for the Eagles. I, I, I don't know. I still think that the Eagles have some hope, but the Panthers are obviously the better team. So I think they should have won it, but hey, I mean, it's done. So Eagles got the win. I don't know. I'm kind of encouraged by Philly. I, they have looked a lot better than I thought. Their Their defense has – not looked as bad. I mean, I know the Chiefs just lit them up last week and Dallas lit them up last week, but those are two top offenses in the NFL. And now they play the um, the Bucks on Thursday night, so it's not like they're going to really be um, getting any easy matchups anytime soon. But I don't know. Philly's defense has not looked nearly as bad as I thought that they would, and I'm pretty encouraged by that. I'm also kind of encouraged by Jalen Hurts, and I'm also encouraged by the fact that um, even though the Panthers kind of dominated this game from start to finish, the Eagles kind of took it away from them. I love Devontae Smith. I love the Hurts and Smith connection. I don't know how long it's going to last, if Hurts is going to be their quarterback next year, but I really like his scrambling ability. Um, on the Panthers' side, I don't think that the defense is the problem. I just think that Sam Darnold is going to be inconsistent. A lot of people are kind of just riding off the Panthers – because of this bad game against the Eagles, like this is supposed to be one of your easier games home against the Eagles. Um, but Sam Darnold has looked really good in the first four games of the season. And yeah, they lost last week against Dallas, but that's because just because Dallas played really well and their offense is scoring is firing on all cylinders. Whereas he didn't have a bad game, even though they lost Darnold is still, I think a really good quarterback. He's just going to have some bad games and you're going to have to take that. Uh, when Sam Darnold's your quarterback. They're going to be getting Christian McCaffrey back soon. 
Um, they have DJ Moore still, who I think is a top 15 probably wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's really good. Um, they do have a pretty bad offensive line, which is something that Darnold has dealt with before. I think that the Panthers are going to be fine. Even though that the Eagles won this game, I'm still holding on to Carolina. Even though they lost this game, I think that there's still a really good chance that they can be a playoff team because their defense is going to get even better now with Stephon Gilmore coming back soon. And they're getting, in my opinion, still the best running back in football. Back. I'm holding out for the Carolina Panthers. And I think that the Eagles are going to be a, a better team this year than I originally thought. I really like uh... – Nick Sirianni. I really do because early on I really was not a big fan of him considering all the all the stuff he would say in press conferences but really I think he's he's gained that locker room and he's he's been a really good player coach. He's showing Jalen Hurts how to be a great QB. He's showing Devontae Smith how to be a great wide receiver in the league and I think he's going to really utilize Devontae Smith to the fullest capability. So, the New Orleans Saints versus the Washington football team. And would you agree with if I said the Saints might be a sleeper for the wild card? Uh, they can definitely get into the playoffs, I think. Um, now, especially with Seattle going out there and all the injuries to San Francisco, I think that there's probably going to be room for two teams that aren't from the NFC West. The thing is with the Saints, like you just never know what you're getting from them every week. I feel like and a lot of that stems from the quarterback, James Winston. You have a guy who has thrown for 30 touchdowns and 30 picks in a season, and he is kind of showing that inconsistency this year. Looked awful. Um, or, look, or he looked really good against Green Bay and the Patriots, and in this game he had four touchdowns against Washington, and he looked awful against Carolina and and the Giants. Looked pretty bad. Um, so – I don't know. I, I feel like the Saints are just very inconsistent. They finally used Kamara uh, more than they have in the previous games. I mean, he only had 16 carries and five catches, which for a guy that is in a sole backfield by himself and is supposed to be a top four running back in the league, he's not really getting the usage that I thought he would. Um, but the Saints are, are going to keep – they're going to stay there. They're going to just be inconsistent, and we'll see. As for Washington, I, again – my hate for Taylor Heineke grows every week. I don't think that he's nearly the answer there. Cam Newton is still on waivers. Um, I'm sure there's other guys that they can trade for that will probably end up being better. And, I mean, his stats are going to look good, but he just this guy just tries to be the hero every play, and I, and I hate it. I really do. Like, there are sometimes you just need to learn to check it down for your three-yard slant routes or your running back um, in the backfield rather than trying to chuck it downfield to – Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin all the time. Um, and I really don't like it. I was happy to see Antonio Gibson finally get the bulk of the carries, which is something that I didn't think I'd even see this year, which I'm very happy about. But um, yeah, I think that Washington, I'm kind of off on for until further notice. Uh, well, yeah, the, the defense, uh, the offense was never supposed to be a top offense, but their defense supposed to be at least top like seven. And they do not look like that at all. I think, the Saints are more like they're like an improved Lions, meaning that they're going to give teams a run for their money, but they're going to actually win games in those tough situations. As long as Jameis has these types of games and not like a zero touchdown, three pick type game, as long as Jameis is, just keeps doing what he's doing, I, I can see the Saints making the wild card. Yeah, especially with the downfall of the NFC West, how it is. 
I can see oh, the Saints battling a lot of teams tough, and I can yeah see them in the wild card. I don't think they'll get past the wild card, but who knows? Jameis Winston may have like a six touchdown game because that's just how Jameis Winston is. But yeah, the Washington just the whole Washington team does not look great, and I think that since they don't have a name, it kind of fits them because their <laughs> their football team does not really have an identity right now. Like I don't know what right. to make of them. I really don't know what to make of them. Everyone, everyone pegged them for a good team with Ryan Fitzpatrick starting. He's out now. Everyone thought their defense was going to be elite. It really isn't. I think Chase Young only has one sack on the year, which is very disappointing for Chase Young right now, especially since he was so hyped up from last year. I just – I don't know what to think of this team. I really don't. So, it's just – I don't know. Obviously, I don't see them winning the division, just like a lot of people now. But we'll see where they go. I think – like Jerry was saying, Cam Newton's out there. There's other quarterbacks out there that they can go for. Yeah, I don't think Taylor Heineke's a long-term option for this team. And I feel like they also just need more weapons surrounding the offense. Like Antonio Gibson, Taylor McLaurin are good options. But if they have bad games, who's going to step up? I don't think anyone else will step up. And you already know Taylor Heineke's just going to throw to those two guys or throw to Ricky Seals-Jones for 30-yard pass for some reason because apparently he can catch everything. So I just I, – this team has no identity. I don't know what to take of them. But with the Saints, I can see them going a long way, especially with how Jameis Winston played today and the involvement of Kamara. This team could definitely be a wild card team. And they may surprise some people. Who knows? Yeah, it looks like the Washington football team actually had a way bigger time of possession than the New Orleans Saints. So it shows that, like, they're just not utilizing their time wisely as they're just holding the ball more and just trying to rush it. Or just holding in the pocket and just going for low yard yard gains, but like over over a whole game span, I just feel like the the time management on Ron Rivera's end or the time management on Taylor Heineke's end hasn't been great. And it looks like Logan Thomas was a really big part of this offense because clearly his they're trying to utilize Ricky Seals Jones a lot compared to Logan Thomas now that. Thomas is injured, but it's just not – he's not filling that same empty slot. So, really, this team is just trying they're, – they're banking on Terry McLaurin, but even Terry McLaurin can only do so much. So, it, it's not looking good for Washington. So, our next game was the Titans and Jaguars, and the Titans finally got a, a good win after their loss with the Jets here. But – Terry, uh, Trevor Lawrence put up a good fight. He play, he got 273 with one touchdown and one interception. But it was the James Robinson show all day long. He had 149 yards with, on 18 carries and one touchdown. I I don't even know what was going on in Urban's head for drafting Travis Etienne because he clearly had something with James Robinson all season long. Or he, you knew he was going to be this good, so... I, I really don't know what's going on in the Jaguars front office. Yeah, comparing Robinson to Derrick Henry, uh, Robinson beat him in every category except touchdowns, which, I mean, it makes sense because it's Derrick Henry. But in 11 less carries, James Robinson had 19 more yards and he averaged almost four more yards per carry, which is insane for James Robinson compared to Derrick Henry. Again, Derrick Henry is, is I think Derrick Henry is the Titans offense and He's, he got he still got three touchdowns, which uh, almost outscored the he almost had the same amount of points as the Jacksonville Jaguars. But it's crazy to think that 
in a, t- in a game with two bad defenses, James Robinson stepped up and looked like the better back. Although the score was very far apart. Like, it was not a close game. It was nice to see James Robinson step up. And Urban Myers actually, again, like Shrieker was saying, like, he is he is the guy. Like, the, he should have turned to him day one and had less pressure on his first-round draft pick, Trevor Lawrence. Like, I feel like Urban was definitely just trying to get Trevor Lawrence – he was just trying to make Trevor Lawrence shine when in reality, James Robinson was back there who is the X factor all along. But with the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, I mean, only 197 for one touchdown. I mean, it didn't look great because, again, I think Ryan Tannehill needs superstars, superstar receivers to actually do good. But A.J. Brown didn't even do that good. He only had three for 38. So this was definitely a Derrick Henry game. And I think that Derrick Henry is the Titans' offense, like I said before. And I think James Robinson is the Jaguars' offense. Like, these teams run through their running backs. It's just, like, Trevor Lawrence, there was so much hype around him. I just feel like there needs to be less pressure off him so that he can actually focus more and not feel pressured to do well and live up to that first-round pick name. I, I like, I, I feel bad for Trevor because of all that, but – I think more pressure on James Robinson. Well, he'll have more games like this. And I think that – I still think Derrick Henry's better back, personally. I mean, I think everyone would. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't even know why I said that, obviously. But what surprised me most is that uh, Dan Arnold led the team – or tied the team in targets with eight, which is fun because who doesn't like – who doesn't hate Dan Arnold? Or who doesn't like Dan Arnold, honestly? Yeah, I mean, I think you both kind of hit the nail on the head here. Nothing really that I can really add on. Derrick Henry's a beast, and every time that he plays the Jags and the Texans, and one out of the two times that he plays the Colts, he's going to go off. That's just what's going to happen every time. Yeah, again, I, I mean, there's nothing that I can really say. I agree with what Shrieker was saying. I don't know why the hell Urban Meyer would pick Travis Etienne, 25th overall. I happen to love Travis Etienne. He's besides Saquon Barkley, he's one of my favorite college players ever, and. I don't even understand why he went there, and I'm actually kind of pissed that it still happened because J-Rob is clearly a really good running back, and he's getting – he averaged 8.3 yards of carry in this game, even though it's a, the Titans' defense. And um, I'm not saying that Travis Etienne can't do the same, but why have a shared backfield when there's so many other holes on your team, clearly, that I don't know. It was just a really dumb uh, draft pick but, uh, to me, but – yeah, other than that, there's not really a whole lot I can really add about this game. Yeah, so, like, also I just want to mention, like, A.J. Brown, like, also he's been pretty quiet for this Titans offense. I think everyone expected him to immediately show up for this offense, who also is lacking Drew Julio Jones. And for a wide receiver core that pretty much heavily relies on A.J. Brown, I think he needs to step up if they're going to play when they play bigger, bigger games against bigger opponents. Yeah, I mean, it was nice for Miami to actually see Miles Gaskin getting involved. Uh, had He had 10 catches, which is something that he was really good at last year, even when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback for the Dolphins. And it's good to finally see him getting involved in the passing game. That's something that I really um, was preaching a lot during the off season and even in the beginning of the season. That this guy's a really good pass catcher. And – he led the Dolphins in receptions, like, and it wasn't even close. He more than doubled the person who was in second, which is Mike Kosicki, in catches. So that was really nice to see. Um, but Miami looks very 
uninspired right now. Their defense looks pretty bad. And they have really good defensive players, but they're just not playing all that well right now. And the offense, I mean, I can't even say it's missing Tua because I don't even know how much Tua would have done better in this game. Kobe Brissett's not even playing that awful. I just feel like they spent a lot this offseason on Will Fuller and they moved up uh, a whole – well, they don't have a first-round pick next year for moving up to get Jalen Waddle at pick number six, which I thought – now makes zero sense. Um, and again, I know that this is against one of the best defenses in the NFL, but their offense just doesn't look all that great right now. Looks very uninspired, like I said. And I mean, yeah, as for Tampa Bay, I mean, they pretty much backed up my claim of being the number one team in the NFL. I still believe that they are the number one team in the NFL. Tom Brady had five touchdowns, 411 yards, and they were beating them so bad that Blaine Gabbert got passing attempts. So that should show you something. Um, everyone on this Bucks receiving core went off. They're of the main three, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, each with six-plus catches. They are all really great, and um, it still is amazing that these three are even on the same team with Tom Brady, with this great offensive line. I mean, this is just an absolute massacre, and, and the Bucks are going to keep on destroying everyone in their path, I think. Yeah, so this game was my lock of the week, and – I expected the Bucks to win, but but not by this large of a margin. Tom Brady had one of the best offensive uh, games of his career, I believe, with five passing touchdowns and 411 yards. Like, it was, what a game, honestly. Tom Brady's still slinging it, and he's proven that he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league, even at age 40-whatever. Uh, two receivers on the Bucks at over 100 receiving yards, which is insane to think. And Godwin was only 30 away from 100. It uh, this Bucks team is amazing. Like I don't think they have any holes. I, they have holes in like their secondary, but offensively they have no holes. Maybe for running backs, but Leonard Fournette, he only had 12 carries for 67 yards. Like it's not, it wasn't really a running back game. It wasn't a running game because Tom Brady was out to sling it. I think he wanted revenge on the Miami Miracle. So really just wanted to get it to the Dolphins. I know they played them earlier or before, like after that, but. Still, Tom Brady had the weapons to just dominate the Dolphins, and it showed. Again, Antonio Browns, Antonio Browns, holy shit, is there two of them? Antonio Browns, Mike Evans. I did a fucking win, holy shit. <laughs> Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, like those tar- those weapons are elite. And the fact that he has all three of them, like Jared was saying, is very scary. This offense is insanely good top five i'd say and uh they're definitely moving up my power rankings after this game because oh my tom brady and just the whole offense in general like they're on they seem unstoppable yeah i just i want to say something real quick about tom brady again everyone and including myself is and i kind of was talking about this with russell wilson everyone's in love with these young quarterbacks josh allen kyler murray justin herbert dak prescott lamar jackson but I want to read off uh, Tom Brady, like what he's on pace for. Tom Brady is on pace for 6,000 passing yards, 51 touchdowns, and seven picks. We could very well be talking in February about Tom Brady having his fifth MVP trophy, and none of these young guys are even going to get a chance because no one's putting up those numbers. And I'm not saying that Brady's going to put up those numbers, obviously. That's also with a very – 
or a pretty bad game against the Dolphins where he didn't even have a passing touchdown. So he basically has 15 passing touchdowns in four games, which is ridiculous. But yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of mention that quickly about Brady, about what or how good he actually is playing right now. And I know that a lot of it has to do with his weapons, but I think that, you know, again, everyone wants one of these young quarterbacks to win this MVP, including me, because I love all of them. But I think it could very well be talking about Tom Brady hoisting the MVP trophy. Yeah, if Tom Brady yeah. keeps this up, it's like he may as well just have MVP for the next three years because I feel like that's how long he's going to be playing for. Like, his level of production is just insane at his age. He's doing stuff these young guys can't do. I mean, that makes sense, but, like, the young guys are more athletic. They can probably sling it further. But Tom Brady's just proven that, like, that doesn't matter to him. He really can just do it all. Stats that he puts up at the, at the age that he's in right now. Like, mid like early 40s, and he's putting up over 400 yards. It's just insane. It really is. Personally, I think this is one of my favorite games of this this past week. And it, it really was, I think, one of the – one of the best games of – it might be one of the best games this year. Packers-Bengals. I don't think anyone thought the Bengals could stay in that game for so long, even after Joe Burrow was pretty much knocked out and got back up. But the Bengals somehow were able to get back in that game, and they gave Aaron Rodgers a really good fight. Yeah, I'd like to give a shout-out as, as much as I hate doing it. Devontae Adams is an absolute monster. I mean – I know that it's the Bengals defense who I believe were missing Jesse Bates for the second game in a row, but 11 for two Oh six and one touchdown put up about 40 fantasy points. I mean, Devonte Adams is, I think still the best receiver in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers played fine. Joe Burrow kind of went toe to toe with them. I mean, he had two interceptions. I I'm really encouraged from what I've seen from the Bengals so far. I thought that they were going to get absolutely smacked in this game and um, they had an injured starting running back, so Samaje P. Ryan had to be on the field a lot, which is usually not really a great sign. Um, but, yeah, Joe Burrow is making the most of what he's got, and he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers in, into the um, overtime, into the last two minutes of overtime and almost won. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd are finally back. Uh, those three are finally back uh, playing together, which is also great for Joe Burrow. And I'd also like to mention that Jamar Chase is also a monster. This guy has five touchdowns already in his career, which is probably about as many as I thought that he'd score all season, which is good for Jamar Chase. And T. Higgins, it was good to see him back. And Tyler Boyd, I mean, these guys didn't really play all that great. The ba- like, there wasn't a whole lot of offense in this game anyway, even though the points or the scoring should have been a lot different because each kicker missed a bunch of field goals, which I'll get to later. But, yeah, I w- I'm still not sure if I really see Cincinnati as a wildcard team, especially with how stacked the AFC is going to be. But um, I think that for the future, the Bengals are definitely headed in the right direction. Yeah, this game was very fun to watch, I'd say. Even though 25-22 is not re- like a high-scoring game, it was still a very interesting game to watch. Um, I've, as I've been saying, the, the LSU connection is in full effect again. Like, I'm not going to – I feel like I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna be talking about them every week. Like they're just Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase is just it just it seems to work. Like they just know what they're doing together. But yeah, like Jerry was saying, Devontae Adams best receiver in the league. Like I can't really argue with that. He just he showed that today. This game it it frustrated me, and I'm sure it frustrated 
both of you guys because either team could have won like three times each. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And like, I, I, I was very disappointed. Like, I, you'd think Mason Crosby would be making field goals first try, but it took him, what, four tries to get the game winner? It's just, it, I, like, I didn't trust the kickers in this game. Like, either team could have won. Jared's probably happy the Bengals aren't 4-1 and because he doesn't see that. <laughs> but I'm sure he also doesn't like the Packers at 4-1 and because they're in his division. But either way, I don't know. I This game could have gone either way, obviously, at the end of the game. But it, I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened this game with kicking. But obviously, both offenses look really good. I think Jesse Bates was playing. I think I remember him seeing okay. him. I'm not positive, but I think he – was playing. Yeah, he was playing. He was. Yeah, he had eight tackles this game. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, both teams look really good. Like Jared's saying, it's gonna be tough for the Bengals to get into the um the playoffs because a lot of teams are just looking really good right now, and it's gonna be a tough run. But if that LSU connection gets going in this offense, this Fab Five offense that Joe Mixon likes to call it, like looks really good then I can see it happening their defense just needs to pick it up but I mean it's against the Packers offense so they it's like it, they really didn't they can't look good against the Packers offense unless you're the Saints week one so holding the Packers to 25 points although it might have should have been more but holding the Packers to offense to 25 points is not a bad look for the Bengals defense so our next game is Broncos Steelers and I'm surprised with how this Broncos offense is functioning I'm also interested in seeing if Javante Williams is finally going to be committed or if Vic Fangio is going to be finally committed to giving Javante the RB1 snaps moving on. Or, but really, I just want to – but really, I just, I'm just really concerned on how this wide receiver core is going to function with Teddy Bridgewater at QB because he can be conservative at times and if he's going to sling it uh, throughout the game. Yeah, um – the main takeaway for me this game was the loss of Juju for the season, which yeah, that, that I didn't, I didn't think that shoulder injury would keep him out for the season, but now with that, I feel like Deontay Johnson's going to get twenty targets a game, even though Chase Claypool had Deontay Johnson only had two targets this game, which surprised me a lot because he usually gets twelve, he usually gets double digit targets every goddamn game, and it annoys the hell out of me because it, it's so predictable and boring. But Chase Claypool stepped it up. 130 yards, five receptions. I don't think he's Big Ben's new favorite target because it's only one game. But Deontay Johnson only get getting two targets is kind of weird. I don't know what was happening. I guess Pat or Pat Sertan was just locking him up if he was on him because Pat Sertan does re- look like an NFL ready cornerback already, just from like the production alone. But again, Najee Harris had another good game on the ground, over 100 yards and a touchdown. Five targets is also not as much as – I mean, it's still a lot for a running back. That's It was almost as much as Kamara this week, and Kamara is known to be a receiving back. I don't think Najee Harris was known to be a receiving back at Bama. I could be wrong because I didn't watch Bama. But I don't know. It's like the Steelers' offense, I still don't think they're going anywhere. I really don't. Like, Big Ben – I mean, I, he had a better game, but he was still – he still looks like he should just be benched. I really don't think he's good at all. I mean, I don't know. He, again, he's just lobbing it to Deontay Johnson sometimes. Like, 
like it's so predictable that it, you just know it's going to happen and it's just it's to me frankly it's boring i don't think the steelers offense is going to be f- fun to watch this season unless they have like Dwayne Haskins in there cuz that'll be fun but going back to the broncos i think they're in need of Jerry Judy i really do Corlin Sutton did step it up. Tim Patrick also had 89 yards, but Jerry Judy is going to – he he usually pairs nicely with Teddy Bridgewater, and I think they really do need him back for that offense to step up. And like Shriger was saying, Javante Williams is like – I don't know. I can see Javante Williams taking over. He had le- he had less carries. He averaged more yards per carry, though, So and more yards. So I think Javante Williams should be the RB1, but I still think that – they're gonna run a committee, obviously, because it's still too. It's still way too early to tell. But yeah, like I, I want to see how this offense, this Pittsburgh offense, is gonna function without Juju. Actually, no, I don't, because I know it's gonna be the same thing. Like Juju had two targets a game. It's just gonna go to Deontay Nashi every time. Like nothing's yeah. gonna change. Nothing's really gonna change. It's just gonna be like he's just not. He's gonna James Washington's gonna be there. It's gonna be like nothing ever happened. Like Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris are gonna get the targets. Like. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like the Steelers' offense is so predictable; it's just not. I don't know. I don't know how teams don't stop them. Yeah, uh, Ben only threw for twenty-five times, which is something that is probably is definitely a good thing for the Steelers, and obviously it was because they won. Um, he's been slinging the ball for fifty-plus times, forty-five times in every game, and they've been losing because they can't come back because Big Ben cannot control offenses that way, at least anymore. They can control offenses when he's not really passing the ball for a whole lot. And Najee Harris is getting a lot of carries, and he did. He had 23 carries in this game for 122 yards. He also had two catches for 20 yards. That dude is an absolute beast. Um, I think the Steelers have their best running back since Le'Veon Bell, which is very important, especially for an aging quarterback like Big Ben. And as for Denver, Teddy Bridgewater threw the ball 38 times, which – Denver is also kind of a good running team with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, that kind of two-headed back, uh, monster in the backfield. But Denver Denver is going to win games when their running backs are getting a lot more involved rather than Teddy Bridgewater throwing the ball a lot. And the Steelers is the same exact thing, except that the Steelers actually did it successfully this week. And it was good to see them actually get a win because they played the way that they're supposed to play. They're not a team that's built to play from behind like Kansas City can play from behind and – Buffalo can play from behind. They can't come back in games. And I don't think that Denver really can either. So it was whoever was going to have a good first half in this game was probably going to end up winning this game. And that obviously ended up being Pittsburgh. And it was good to see them finally get a win. I'm still not very confident in Ben Roethlisberger, but um, I, cause I think that there's only kind of one way that they can win and it's either, or two ways that they can win. And it's either winning games nine to six, or it's when they get off to a good start. Broncos next couple of weeks, they're playing the Raiders and then they're playing the Browns, which are both tough matchups. So it's really going to be a test to Teddy Bridgewater if he can actually lead this offense and he can if he can actually win some games out there because no matter how well the defense plays, it's always going to end up with Teddy Bridgewater and those those upcoming defenses, they're, they're pretty hard. So it, I'm really, I'm going to be, I'm going to be looking into those games a lot just to see if he can actually manage being the QB one for the Broncos and if he can actually take that team from being three three and two to five and two or if he's gonna start losing some games. So our next game is the Bears and Raiders and I'm not I'm not that happy with this game because 
I really thought Justin Fields was going to be – this was going to be a breakout game for Justin Fields, and he was going to show the whole league, like, how great he is with his talent. But really, it was just a game showing how bad this O-line is and how bad the Bears have built around Justin Fields because really it was just him trying to scramble out the pocket and getting sacked. Or it was it was just a mess offensively. Somehow they, they were able to get to get the win. But their leading receiver only had 35 yards on three receptions. And Khalil Herbert, their rushing game, it seems like, is the only thing that is working. But each running back had to get 15-plus carries, which is really concerning. So it really doesn't look good in Chicago. Well, I, I think this game, I don't think this would have been Justin Fields' breakout game because the Raiders' defense has been pretty good this whole year. So, I mean, it's. Obviously, it's concerning that the leading receiver at 35 yards. Like, obviously, this offense is definitely worrying me, especially because we know the potential of Allen Robinson. And like we've been saying for the past two weeks, like, where is he? I don't think it's Allen Robinson's fault. It definitely – I don't think it is at all. I think it's more Matt Nagy, Justin Fields. Like, it's everyone else but Allen Robinson. And it's just I'm, – I'm very frustrated because – he should just be the go-to target, but it seems like Justin Fields has a better connection with Darnell Mooney. And although Darnell Mooney seems like a special talent, like you got to look to the other side of the field, Justin Fields. Justin Fields is literally looking at one side of the field. It's like, oh, Darnell Mooney's my receiver. You know what? Screw it. I'll throw it to him. Like he has to like expand his vision. Like screw that tunnel vision bullshit that he has. Like just like look at the whole field and you'll they actually get some yards and actually some touchdowns to your receivers who matter. But I don't know. It's, it's frustrating to see that Justin Fields, I don't think Matt Nagy is using Justin Fields and I don't think Justin Fields is going to hit his full potential under Matt Nagy, especially with this bears offense that really doesn't look great. They have a winning record somehow, which I didn't even know until I just looked at the, uh, the scoreboard. So, I mean, that kind of, that kind of is concerning. Well, not really concerning for me, but, like, for the Bears, because now I feel like they have high hopes that they have a winning record. But, like, no one knows. No one thinks that the Bears' offense is great. They haven't really proved anything. Again, the Raiders' offense was great. The Bears' next matchups. Next matchup is against Green Bay. So, maybe I think I think Justin Fields' breakout game is next week when he has to actually start throwing the ball a, a ton. Because Justin Fields only passed the ball 20 times in the second half. Because they were the Bears are up the whole time, so I think the Bears are going to be down a lot. Not a lot, but the Bears are going to be down for most of the game, and Justin Fields is going to have to be passing that ball. And I get Jair Alexander is also on IR, so Allen Robinson should not have. He really should not have competition for targets, and I feel like he should at least get a good amount of catches because no Jair Alexander means Allen Robinson should thrive. But again, that's me. Allen Robinson's been disappointing, so there's no real way of knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think something that you guys are forgetting to talk about is that the Bears won this game. I mean, their defense played out of their minds against a really good Raiders offense, which I never would have guessed this was my lock of the week, and that's now two weeks in a row that my lock is wrong. So, fuck me, I guess. But, um, yeah, the Bears offense does not look all that great, and the Raiders definitely did not look good here in this game. The Bears got actual pressure on Derek Carr, which not a lot of people have been able to do yet this year. And, again, I don't know where Allen Robinson is either, but at least their defense finally stepped up for a game. And 
As for the Raiders, I think I'm kind of completely out on them, which it sucks because three weeks ago I would have been crazy to say that because they've been winning a lot of these close games and have looked really good on offense and defense. And now they have lost two in a row, two pretty ugly games in a row, and now they don't have their head coach, who I'm actually – I kind of like John Gruden as a head coach. So now that they're going to have an interim head coach, I don't know the last time that an interim head coach – was coaching a team in the playoffs. I don't know if it ever has happened, um, but I, I think that I'm pretty much out on the Raiders. It, it's crazy in the NFL how things change. Like in just one week, I, I'm completely out on the Raiders and the Seahawks, which are two teams that in the first three weeks I, or four weeks looked very, very good. Yeah, uh, going back to how things can change, like Jared said, in the NFL really quickly. Last week we had the Raiders in our top ten. So, like, yeah, that was obviously – at the time, it was a good pick, but obviously now I don't think they're in top ten material. So yeah, like Jerry was saying, things can change very quickly. So our next game is Browns and Chargers, and I think this is easily a candidate for game of the year. I mean, wow, what a game! Justin Herbert with three ninety eight and four touchdowns, Baker Mayfield with three hundred five and two touchdowns, but that running game with Nick Chubb having one sixty one yards and Cream Hunt with sixty one yards and David Njoku would have thought he would have gone up for 149 and one touchdown. And this this game was just a, a spectacular from start to finish. I just want to hear what you guys think about it. Yeah, so um, this was a really good game. I think that, like Shrieker said, I think that this could really be game of the year. I'm kind of falling in love with Justin Herbert. I mean, I really liked him last year. But the fa- like he's, this guy is second to Tom Brady and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray are the MVP. I think he's look. He looks really, really good right now. Um, obviously, three ninety eight for four touchdowns against that Browns defense, who the last week shut down the Vikings offense, which I think is almost as good as the Chargers offense. Maybe not uh, in terms of weapons, they are almost as good as the Chargers offense. They shut them down to seven points, and this Chargers offense is firing on all cylinders. Austin Eckler is as good as advertised. Seventeen carries uh, for sixty six yards. He had a uh, five catches for 53 yards as well. So he's getting as involved as I would have liked to see out of uh, Austin Eckler. They have a great wide receiver duo. Mike Williams came back uh, in a very nice way in this game with eight for 165, two long bomb touchdowns, which Justin Herbert does that long bomb really well. Um, In terms of the Browns, I think the Browns are a really good team, but they are a team that needs to win uh, games where they can control the clock. And the Browns kind of did, but – for most of the game, but once that uh, end of the third quarter started, the once the game went towards the end of the third quarter, Justin Herbert and the Chargers completely took over, and the Browns can't really hold the lead. Um, and the Browns couldn't really hold the lead. Uh, Baker Mayfield is not a guy that I would like to go uh, into a slugfest with if I'm the Browns. I don't think that he's a quarterback that can win you uh, 47 or 42 games. And I know that there were some questionable calls against the Browns late. Um, but, I mean, just look at the final drive. The The Chargers were up by five, and the Browns needed a touchdown, and Baker's throwing tech checkdowns. I don't know if that's play calling, or I don't know if that's just Baker Mayfield being Baker Mayfield. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is amazing at running back. I, it really is. But they need to win games running the football, and um, they did that, but – the Chargers look like they may be the 
best team in the AFC. I know that that's a hot take, and I know that with the team that we're going to be talking about very soon, they may have very well made their claim. But I really want to see this Chargers team in the Super Bowl. I think that they got everything for it except uh, experience, and uh, Brandon Staley is still young, but I really like Brandon Staley. I love everything that the Chargers are doing right now. Yeah, this game was my upset pick, meaning the Browns would beat the Chargers. I'm not upset that I didn't get this right because this game was amazing. And I also picked this to be my game of the week. And I think for this week I was right because, my God, what a game. Justin Herbert, I, he almost equaled Tom Brady in best performance this week. Tom Brady, obviously. In fantasy-wise, Justin Herbert had more points, but I think Tom Brady had a better performance. But Justin Herbert, I think – actually, no, I think Justin Herbert did because the Browns' defense is very – is like a very top-tier defense – especially with that pass rushing game with Miles Garrett and whoever the hell's on the other side. But it's like for Justin Herbert to produce and have two yards away from 400 yards and four touchdowns against this Browns defense, four passing touchdowns, one rushing against this Browns defense. It's like this team is legit. It's very legit. And the weapons with Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, this is a legit offense. And their their defense may need help. But, I mean, this Browns offense is also really good. I, they rely a lot on the run, but it, it works. Nick Chubb, Cremo, obviously, best running back duo in the league, in my opinion. Like, their running game works. It really does. And I think the Browns need to step it up with receiving because, yeah, David Njoku is the top receiver – or top player in yards. And then the top receiver is Donovan Peoples-Jones, who, for some reason, every time I was watching that game, the only person – when Baker Mayfield passed the ball to was Donovan Peoples-Jones receiver-wise. Obviously, Njoku had more everything, but I don't know. This, the Browns need to get at least some passing game going, although, again, their running game is working beautifully for them because they did put up 42 points, and a, a large part of it was Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who had three touchdowns combined together. So, I mean, both these teams are really good teams. I can see both these teams making the playoffs easily. I think is still also really good with Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr., who is up there for defensive rookie of the year. And like this team looks, I, I wouldn't say unstoppable, but they don't look like in terms of like a team, they don't look like human. Like they just, look, they just look insane. And like, I feel like every possession that they're on the offense, they're going to score. Like no matter what they're putting up points, even if it's a field goal or a touchdown, they're putting up points. And, it's just amazing to see how young of talent they have and how great of a performance they're putting up with that young talent and that inexperience. Like, Justin Herbert's only in his second year, like, and he's still slinging the ball. Like, everyone else is kind of older, but, like, Justin Herbert himself is just slinging the ball, and he's making this team a legit contender. So, our next game. So, we have we have, one of our roommates is a Giants fan, and honestly – is now looking too good for the New York Giants. Just injuries after injuries, and it just the team just sometimes doesn't even look disciplined to play with some of the penalties that they create. Uh, one positive is Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony had one of his bi- the biggest games of the year with 150, 189 yards on ten receptions. But the loss of Daniel Jones, who was having arguably his best year yet, and Saquon Barkley coming off an injury and getting an ankle injury, it's it's not looking too bright for the Giants. 
For the Cowboys, on the other hand, it looks like just another stepping stone to get past on their run to the Super Bowl because it looked like from the start the Cowboys were ready to go and everything looked like they were going to move forward in full speed because everything was clicking everywhere. Yeah, the Cowboys are easily the best team in the NFC East. Like, there's no other competition. I Like, no other team comes close to them. I like seeing an appearance of Mike Glennon because we all love Mike Glennon. I, I think so. Mike Glennon. Cause just because just cause of the memes of Mike Glennon, we love him. And yeah, you can't you can't forget his bald head. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this Cowboys team looks primed. I think they already look primed for the playoffs. Again, Trayvon Diggs continuing the streak of a pick every game. It's just like it's an elite team. It really is. Zeke had over a hundred yards rushing. CD Lamb almost had a hundred yards receiving. This is definitely a top team, and they're easily going to walk away with the NFC East because that division is. So it's it's not great at all. As I say, like Shrieker is saying, Kadarius Tony, probably one of the best rookie performances this season. Like he had 13 targets, which is already a lot, but he he definitely stepped up when he needed to. It's throwing Shepard out and Darius Slayton out. Like he stepped oh, up. Oh, also was injured too. Yeah, Colladay was injured. Uh, yeah, but Kadarius Tony, ten receptions, one punch, hundred eighty nine yards. Like he he stepped up when he needed to. So you just had to add sneak that in. There, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I mean, yeah, I had to make it seem like nonchalant because, like, I mean, someone had to say. It. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this this Cowboys team looks elite, and um, it's gonna be nice to see how, like, what the Cowboys record will be at the end of this year because we are. I, I'm I'm high on the Cowboys. I know this whole America's team thing. Like, not many people like the Cowboys. I didn't say I like them. I'm just saying like I'm like I I'm high on them. Like, I think they're gonna finish really well. And you never know. Like, the Cowboys could make a championship run. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to really add here that you guys didn't mention. I think that I'm officially wrong on my Ezekiel Elliott hate. I think he's back. I think he looks the best that he's looked ever since his rookie season. And um, Tony Pollard, who I don't even think is that much worse. He may even be equal to as good of a player as Ezekiel Elliott is. I think that Tony Pollard is really good. I think a lot of it also has to do with the offensive line too. But that running game is working. Dak is a top 10 quarterback. He's got two very good receivers on both of his sides. He's got a good tight end. And again, he's got a really good offensive line. So – I think that Dallas is just absolutely amazing. And, yeah, I mean, Zeke looks, again, as good as he did his rookie year, which was considered to be one of the best rookie running backs of all time. And I am very encouraged uh, for Dallas. I think that they look the best since – like them as a team look the best since Zeke's rookie year, which is a team that went 13-3. and three. So I think that Dallas is a very good um, – I, I think that the future is bright for – Dallas. Yeah, and like Jerry's been saying all these weeks, they're a Tom Brady drive away from being 5-0, and so yeah. I, like, they're definitely an elite team, and I think they're going to be an elite team the entire year. As long as no injuries plague them, they're going to be a top team. I just don't know how trustworthy – I don't know how much trust I'm going to put in them in the playoffs, because I know that Mike McCarthy is not the best play caller in the pressure situations. So, Niners-Cardinals, Trey Lance's de- debut, I Jared, what do you think about Trey Lance? Uh, I don't think he's ready. I I know he got injured in this, or he's injured now, which 
Maybe a blessing in disguise. I mean, obviously, obviously they have the bye week, so he can recover. But yeah, they have a bye week. He's going to be fine. But I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go back to being the starter. I mean, your quarterback should not be running for sixteen, not be running sixteen times and throwing for fifteen. I feel like that's just not a recipe for success. <laughs> I mean, if you're running the ball more than you're passing the ball as a quarterback, that's definitely a concern. Uh, the Cardinals seem to know that that was going to happen because. He did not have a very high yards per carry, which quarterbacks are supposed to have about an eight yard per carry. And Trey Lance had less than six. Uh, Trey Lance did not have a passing touchdown. He um, had an interception. He was sacked twice for a guy that's supposed to be very mobile. And the Niners only put up 10 points. The only points was a Debo Samuel rushing touchdown, who remains very important to this offense, which is still very surprising. Um, they also have George Kittle on IR, so I'm really not encouraged by what I've seen from the Niners. They've only beat the Eagles and they and the Lions over the first two weeks. I don't think I think that the Niners' defense is still good. They held Kyler Murray to a pretty low-scoring game for Kyler Murray, at least. But I don't think that Trey Lance is ready. He clearly is afraid to throw the ball if he's running the ball more than he's passing. And when you watch him, even when I watched him against Seattle when he came in. He just did not look like uh, an NFL quarterback yet. Trey Lance reminds me of rookie Lamar Jackson because he just he is scared to pass the ball. He only runs the ball. Obviously, I don't think Trey Lance is going to turn out as well as Lamar Jackson has been. I don't think Trey Lance is going to win MVP anytime soon. But, like, yeah, he is not football ready. He is not NFL ready. He just he doesn't look like he wants to be out there if he's running the ball more than he's passing it. But like both like this is also a very low scoring game for the Cardinals offense. Like obviously expectations have Kyler Murray and that, that offense having at least like maybe like twenty four points I'd say. So it's a very low scoring game. Uh Niners defense isn't terrible, so like I I can see why. He he still loves targeting Rondale more, but D Hop led the team in receptions and yards and he also got that touchdown over Josh Norman nonetheless. Uh, Josh Norman's an unfortunate football player. Let's just be real. <laughs> but yeah, he like he actually started to realize that he had DeAndre Hopkins on his team, and he threw to him, which that was a crucial touchdown because that won them the game right there. So yeah, I'm worried about the Niners too. I'm not worried about the Cardinals at all. Although it was a low scoring game, it's understandable because the Niners have a a decently good defense. So I'm not worried about the Cardinals at all. Uh, we all I think at the beginning of the season. We we probably thought actually no I I don't think Jared that all four of the NFC West teams are gonna make the playoffs I feel like most a lot of people did no I had, but, I had I, yeah I had Carolina over San Francisco to yeah in the last spot so yeah now we're questioning if three of the four NFC West teams are gonna make the playoffs because no Russell Wilson and now Trey Lance doesn't look NFL ready Jimmy Garoppolo I don't think is gonna repeat his performance of that Super Bowl uh, drive like. I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about the Niners. I'm worried. I'm not really worried about their future. Obviously, Trey Lance is going to step it up. He's going to figure out what the hell to do. But right now, um, I think the Niners should be in panic mode. I mean, if anything, I think this is encouraging for Arizona. I mean, everyone knows how good that offense is, and they can score 40 points in, against anyone. But the fact that they can win a game 17-10 and they can win it with their defense, I think is nothing but a good sign, even though it is against Trey Lance's first start. I have a question. Are you, any of you guys concerned about Chase Edmonds and how he had less carries than James Conner? Or is that nah, just him coming Edmonds was coming off an injury. I think that the 
Cardinals backfield is fine, and this offense is just going to produce. Yeah, it, like if it's a committee and it works, then I'd say they should stick with it. But yeah, like Jared was saying, Edmonds coming off an injury, so it makes sense that Connor would outpace him. But uh, yeah, they're going to ease Edmonds back in. I wouldn't be surprised if he leads the carries next week. So I mean, we'll see. But again, if it's a committee and it works, then I'd say just keep rolling with it. Because James Conner seems to be like a reliable goal line back. Because he, see, he seems to be scoring a lot when they go to the goal line and trust him with it. So if it works, then they should just keep rolling with it. Well, they're certainly going to need that defense next week when they play the Browns in Cleveland. So that's going to be a game certainly to look out for next week. So our next game was Sunday Night Football, Bills Chiefs. Is it time to hit the panic button for Patrick Mahomes? I don't think it's time to hit the panic button for Patrick Mahomes, even though that was probably one of the worst games I've seen out of him. Um, on the Chiefs, I, I still think that they're going to be fine. I, I think that they just lost to a really great team in the Buffalo Bills. I think it's very appropriate to call the Bills a great team. I think if you replay the matchup at the current state that these two teams are at, the Bills win that game eight out of ten times. They just easily look like the better team right now. And their defense showed that it wasn't just the teams that they were playing as – why their defense is playing so well. Their defense is actually that great. They have a lot of really good players on that team. And uh, they didn't even have Matt Milano, who was one of their better linebackers. Uh, but Tremaine Edmonds was all over the field. I feel like I was watching it. Trey White uh, and the Bills secondary really limited Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey to having great games because they played excellent zone coverage. What is the injury for Tyree Kill? I know quite a uh, CEH had like an MCL. It was – it was um a knee injury, but I think he's he's gonna be playing. I think I think Kelsey Kelsey is a stinger, which is what Justin Jefferson had kind of in the in the off season, which obviously Justin Jefferson's totally fine. So I think Kelsey's also gonna be fine, and uh, Clyde is probably gonna be out for a week or two. So yeah, I mean the Chiefs' offense was getting kind of depleted during this game. But I mean I don't think I don't really remember Tyreek missing any time in the game. I remember Kelsey getting hurt in the very end of it, but this game was seemed like over in the first half. And then the chiefs were kind of storming back a little bit, seeing like their offense was kind of getting into high gear. And then Tyree kill drops a third and seven pass that Micah Hyde takes all the way. And I feel like after that, the chiefs kind of had no chance. Um, Patrick Mahomes can lead some great comebacks. We've seen it before, but it wasn't going to happen against this bills team. Uh, I think Josh Allen, is a guy that you can start your franchise around and be absolutely fine with it. I don't understand why Stefan Diggs isn't getting any targets and guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox are getting a lot more um, because the Chiefs defense is bad enough that even if they're game planning for Diggs, which it didn't even seem like they were doing, then Diggs can still be a guy to have a great game. But he's just not been nearly as targeted this year, which I'm very surprised about. And the Bills are still looking like a top two team in football. And they don't, and they aren't using, in my opinion, easily their number one weapon. So that I think is very surprising. And the fact that they still won this game is by a sizable amount is very encouraging. I like to point out the fact that the chiefs didn't have Chris Jones, who's probably their best defensive player and a top three, probably interior defensive player in all football. Um, But it really didn't seem like it mattered. The bills kind of just scored at will. I think that they're still going to be able to get there. They're going to need to make up a lot of ground on the chargers in order to have home games, and I think if the Chiefs don't have home games, I don't think that they make the Super Bowl with as bad as this defense is. I think that there are better teams. In the, I think that there are teams in the AFC that if this is the AFC Championship in Buffalo and 
even if that defense is a little better for Kansas City, I think I'm picking the Bills in that game. And I think if it's Chiefs at Baltimore or Chiefs at Cleveland or at L.A., I think I'm picking those teams to win. I don't think that that defense is going to be good enough to travel in the playoffs. So I am kind of concerned about them. Yeah, I'm very concerned about this Chiefs team. Obviously, this is not a great outing for the offense or the defense. Uh, Josh Allen just seemed to find an open man every time he threw the ball and running the ball. It seemed like he had, like, 400 rushing yards. Like, it just uh, – it I don't know. Like, I, I'd say I'd blame it on weather conditions, but Josh Allen looked completely fine in the weather. It was mainly just the Chiefs receivers who were dropping every pass. It's just, like – I don't know. I don't know what to think of this team. Like, obviously, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs, but Josh Allen came into Kansas City and – Kind of just tore apart the Chiefs. Uh, even at home, the Chiefs can't like, can't produce against good teams, which is which scares me. Like, I don't know what happened from the Chiefs' defense last year that brought them to the Super Bowl to what is happening now. But yeah, the the Bills are a top team in in the NFL. Like, I, I think the Chiefs are too. But like to lose by almost more points than you scored, and to for Pat Mahomes to throw a pick to Gregory Rousseau. Like, I mean, I feel like neither of those picks were his fault. I think – I mean, the Gregory Russell one was probably more of his fault. But the one where Tyreek Hill dropped and, like, I took all the way to the house, like, yeah, that's not – I don't think that's his fault. It's, like, I don't I, – I don't get how the Chiefs' defense actually is going to, like, step up their game and have less pressure on Patrick Mahomes always having to come from behind, especially against these top teams. And – I, when the Chiefs play the Chargers twice this year, we'll see how, how they stack up against the, te- the top team in their division and see how they show off against another extremely explosive offense in the Chargers. But, yeah, this Bills team looks incredible. Like, their offense and defense, it's like the Bucs. Like, I think they're both very good. I think they're top five. I don't think the Bills' defense is, like, the best. Obviously, they held the Chiefs to 20 points, but... At the same time, Bills had easy competition the first four weeks. So, I, I don't know. It's tough to judge. Obviously, the Bills are a top team, but it's, it's tough to judge how the Chiefs are going to go for the rest of the season. And I'd also like to point out, the Chiefs had a lot of penalty calls. Uh, like, a lot of penalty flags go their way, and they still lost by 18. There were a lot of ridiculous calls that game. A lot favored the Chiefs. It was a very poorly officiated weekend. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. A lot of the calls went towards the Chiefs, and they still didn't produce on those flags. Like it was just, I don't know, an all-around not great game for the Chiefs. It really just seemed like the the Chiefs had no answers for anything Buffalo was doing, and any time that the the Chiefs were faced with a good situation, Buffalo had an answer every single time. Yeah, I think it's more of the Bills' defense just knowing situation, whether it's double Tyree kill. Have that deep safety Micah Hyde when Tiger Hill get burns the D back. Like they just knew what to do. They knew how to cover. So that this Bills defense is very elite. I'm not panicked about Patrick Mahomes. I don't think I will be this season, but who knows? Like, but again, it's just the, this Bills defense is elite. And I think the Chiefs against any team, any elite team, I don't think they can beat them. Okay. Judging off this game at home. Losing by 18, like, it doesn't look good for the Chiefs. If the defense needs to pick it up, and then maybe I'll say it, but I have to see it to believe it. Like, I'm, I, I don't know what to say about this Chiefs team. Like, obviously, I think they're going to make the playoffs. 
they're not a lost cause. I don't think they will. I still believe in Patrick Mahomes. I think he can he can still carry this team to a playoff. But yeah, if they're playing like this, they're not gonna make I don't even think they can make the Super Bowl. I really don't. Or maybe even the AFC championship. I like if they don't get to the AFC championship, I wouldn't be surprised because this team does not look like an AFC championship team. Yeah, and I think this next team we talked about that one today, I think they could really upset teams for the for a chance for that AFC spot in the Super Bowl. And the team I'm talking about is the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're the one team no one wants to play when it comes to close situations because it it seems like they can come out of any situation, really. I mean, they were down. What was the score? Does anyone know? I think it was like 22-3. They were down 22-3, yeah. and they come back in OT to beat the Colts. And Carson Wentz had a great game. He had 402 yards for two touchdowns. But Lamar Jackson is just something else. 442 for four touchdowns with 62 rushing yards. Mark, Mark Andrews had a great, a really great game with 147 yards and two touchdowns. Marquise, Brown's, Marquise Brown also showed up. But really, it's once that, that defense starts to click even more and that offense starts to gain more pieces back, like Rashad Bateman, I'm, I'm hoping, just wait till his arrival comes. But I really think this is a really deadly team once you, once you start adding up all the pieces come playoff time. I feel really bad for the Colts. I feel like they're do- they're they're doing all they can in these games. This this one just kind of got away from them. I oh, think yeah, this, this is this was uh, Jonathan Taylor's best game at, uh, yet. Yeah, that season. he he's a really good player. Their, their three headed monster at running back is really efficient because Naeem Hines is really good at catching passes and Marlon Mack is really good too. But I don't know. I feel like this game just kind of got away from him, and this is a moment that Lamar just needed to have. He's been shit on a lot in his career. I feel like he hasn't had a lot of signature games, and this is definitely one of his signature games. A lot of people are going to be talking about this one, um, probably for the whole season, the way that he came back. This was not really a team that you really pictured uh, in comebacks because like kind of the Steelers and the Broncos, like I was talking about before, and, and like teams like the Browns, these are teams that run the ball and need to run the ball to win. And the Ravens didn't really run the ball a whole lot in this game, and especially in – uh, in their comeback, uh, obviously in their comeback, they couldn't <coughs> run a whole lot because they had to pass. And uh, they did that, and Lamar Jackson had his moment. I'm happy for him. I don't feel – I feel like the Colts are one of the better one four teams in the last couple of seasons. I think that their defense is really good. I think that with the weapons that they have, Carson Wentz played really well. And without having Quentin Nelson, so their offensive line is a little depleted right now, I think that the Colts are a much better – uh, team than their record says. I'm not saying that they can, you know, I'm not saying that they're a playoff team, but if they can rally up some wins, I think that this is a team that a lot more people need to respect. Yeah, this, although Jonathan Taylor had the best game of his of the season, uh, both quarterbacks had over 400 passing yards, which is insane to me. Like, these teams showed out offensively, and yeah, it is a heartbreaker for the Colts. I don't see this team ever being one and four. Like, I just this team doesn't seem like a one and four team. I thought Carson Wentz was going to get this team to at least, I wouldn't say a playoff run, but you never know with a wild card. But it's like they're just yeah they've run into so many unfortunate circumstances like Rodrigo Blankenship missing the game winning field goal like, I, I, dude he builds Legos why would you trust him to kick a game winning field goal? <laughs> 
<laughs> like, yeah, both offenses showed out. Michael Pittman had a really good game. Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown. Like, these guys were showing out, and, like, there was really nothing either defense can do. It was I mean, it was a very fun game to watch, again, because it was an offensive shootout. And, yeah, Jonathan Taylor I loved watching because, you know, I mean, I, I do like Jonathan Taylor. But, yeah, this game was really nice to watch. And I, I, I think both teams are really good. I think the Ravens are a, a contending team. I think the Colts, if they didn't start 1-4, they would be up there too. But both teams are really good. This is a really good game. Uh, it was a good Monday night. Oh no! It was hundred percent one of the best Monday Night Football games in a, uh, this season yet because if it really is just entertainment. Anytime the Ravens step on the field, it the way they can just get themselves back into games and the momentum they can just create is just insane. No matter how far back they are, it, they they're 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 going to be a fun team to watch throughout the season. So we wanted to close out this episode, another. A weekly segment of the top three angry Jared moments of the week. So, Jared? Yeah. All right. So, the first one is kind of just the result in general, but I wanted to talk about the incredible play calling by Mike Zimmer. Uh, running the ball on third and seven from your own 20 with a few minutes left in the game. It was like right before the two-minute warning. I mean, I understand that you trust your defense who's been kind of balling out the whole time with Jared for Jared Goff to be uh, like, how much do you really believe in Jared Goff to lead a final drive? But I mean, third and seven, that that's the definition of third and manageable. And I know you trust your defense, but you got to trust your quarterback more to make a seven yard pass. The game would have been over. I believe they had no timeouts. You have, Again, two great weapons. You have a good running back who can even catch passes. Why the hell are you running the ball? And then, of course, Karma will get you in the ass. And Alexander Madison, who is the backup, by the way. I don't want anyone to forget about that. Alexander Madison just ends up fumbling. And then, obviously, the Lions get it back. So, um, if if that was just a regular run and no fumble happened, would, the, would Jared Goff have led that final drive? Who knows? But it's Karma that... Alexander Madison ends up fumbling defense and offense are playing better than the lions in every aspect. And they almost lost because it was a really bad play call and it ended up uh, coming back to bite Mike Zimmer. So that was really fun. That gave me a nice little heart attack and uh, it was a really good time to watch um, Mike Zimmer's incredible play calling in the end. I really liked it. Another one that I wanted to talk about is in the Bengals Packers game. There were five missed field goals in general. I don't know how that happens. It was a beautiful day outside in Cincinnati. Mason Crosby is one of the better, more consistent kickers in the league. And Evan McPherson is a really young rookie who's been very good so far. I know I'm analyzing kickers, but, I mean, whatever. Um, In overtime, it was fourth and inches from the Cincinnati 32. If you're Matt LaFleur, why the fuck are you kicking it when you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Aaron Jones, these two are – one of the best at each of their positions. Aaron Rodgers has meant so, led so many late drives. There's two minutes left, and the Bengals aren't even close to field goal range. Why keep why keep kicking when Mason Crosby's missed three field goals already? It it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why you would do that. And I know that it's you know better for Mason Crosby's confidence, but I mean this guy's been 
this guy's pretty old. He's been in the league for a while. I don't really see why he needs a whole lot of confidence. He'll be fine. It's just to have a bad week. But I don't understand Matt LaFleur's play calling there at all. I don't get why go for the field goal. Just And if you were going to go for the field goal, why have why have Aaron Rodgers like risk everything and go for a big play? And I, I don't get that. But, yeah, I didn't understand why Aaron Rodgers – or why Matt LaFleur called that. that. The same exact thing happened in the NFC Championship game. They ended up going for a field goal. Obviously, Crosby made it instead of going for a touchdown. So, I don't really get that whole thing with Matt LaFleur. Three is kind of – this is about the whole weekend, but I feel like the refs kind of ruined the Chiefs-Bills game. Not that the Chiefs would have won without the horrible refereeing, in my opinion, but it just – or not that the Chiefs would have lost by more if it was called fairly or whatever, but I just feel like the Bill like they were giving the Chiefs break after break after break, and – it was really bad. Like some of the holding calls were just ridiculous. Like it, pressure was hardly even on some of these guys and it just wasn't working. And I mean, the, the refs kind of made up for it in the end a little bit by um, some chiefs. Def- I think it was Frank Clark fell very lightly on Josh Allen and they called it a roughing the passer on a pick. So, I mean, I guess they did that for them, but other than that, I feel like the chiefs just got every call. And it, it kind of seemed like the Patriots-Chiefs game in the uh, 2019 AFC Championship where the Patriots kind of got every call. So I, I didn't enjoy that. But, I mean, it didn't make me, like, terribly angry. But another thing that, like, an honorable mention is that I don't understand the Browns um, going for checkdowns when they had no timeouts to try and win the game. That's literally the opposite of what you're supposed to do. But I don't really know how to blame that on Baker on the play calling because, obviously, I don't know what it was. But – yeah, so the Alexander the Alexander Madison fumble on the tremendous play calling by Mike Zimmer, the questionable option to kick a field goal by Mason Cro- by um, Matt Lafleur and the Packers, although obviously it worked, and the horrible officiating in the Buffalo and Chiefs game definitely all made me angry. Well, we we want to our latest episode of the Route Runners podcast. Thank you all for listening once again. I'm Shrieker. I'm Jared Skullvikes. And I'm James. I just want to quickly add, make sure you follow us on Instagram at RouteRunnersPod. And make sure you like and follow for more content.